0: Welcome to the Wheelhouse Podcast, where we talk about what's in my wheelhouse and maybe what's in yours, too. I'm your wheelmaster, Sebastian. Today on the big show, Chargers blow the AFC West, new Dr. Dre cuts, and an eighth grader suspended for confusing Nirvana for a clothing line. But we begin with Coachella dropping Travis Scott. Golden Voices dropped Travis Scott from the Coachella Valley Arts and Music Festival Monday morning after the fallout of the World tragedy which has claimed 10 lives and injured many other concertgoers. Scott, through his representatives, offered to perform at Coachella for free, but Golden Voice ultimately declined his offer. Sunday afternoon reports also surfaced that Scott's partnership with Anheuser-Busch to produce his hard seltzers ended. While the deal reportedly ended on November 30th, the decision to conclude business was mutual. It's difficult to ignore Travis Scott's artist platform now beginning to wane. Initially, I almost wanted to say he was canceled, but this term has become so loaded and politically and socially loaded. But Scott's waning stature in the public and viability in the business world stems not from Twitter mobs or anything on social media, really, other than corporate America's response. Uh, Coachella removed Scott after more than 60 people signed a change.org position. It's surprising to see this reaction from them while the support and vitriol from the public appears kind of split. Uh, prior to the petition, Scott had been dropped from the night and day festival. Hulu pulled a World news special from its service. Scott has a history of brazenly stoking the flames of unsafe behavior in his audience and acting with disorderly conduct himself. It, there's a straightforward piece on Consequence.net laying out several incidents over the past six years. I'll make sure to link that piece for you in the podcast notes. It does a good job of exhibiting Scott's reliable consistency of negligence when it comes to the safety of his fans and his behavior towards his fans. Whether or not he knew what was going on in Astroworld uh, as things unfolded, Travis Scott's career could be heading to irrelevancy quickly as a result. For me, as a non-fan and an outsider, I have no skin in this game. But this fallout kind of represents what I already thought about the Travis Scott experience as a whole. This is a man that's really only interested in fame, fortune, and all that comes with it. He doesn't really seem to care much for his fans other than the income they provide and his camp. It kind of feels like anytime he talks about them, it's a false facade to protect himself. His lyrics generally salute the excesses of life, and that's fine. I, I like plenty of music like that. However, I'm never really surprised when those words also represent who that person is. Um, And as a very wise writer once wrote, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Now we sail on to other shores. Tool drummer Danny Carey was arrested Sunday night after a Kansas City Chiefs game. Per TMZ, Carey had some kind of argument or encounter with airport security employee jabbing his finger into his chest and calling him, quote, a fucking faggot multiple times. TMZ also reported Kerry claimed that he was Tool's drummer to the police. Kind of a tough beat if you're a Tool fan. Myself quoted. A Queens, New York centrist orthodox school announced a new dress code last week stating, students cannot wear clothing with the name of any musician or band unless the student can name at least three... (laughs) Three of their songs. The eighth grader who said, I thought Nirvana was a clothing brand last week has been suspended indefinitely. School also said, we recognize this incident has proven upsetting to some members of the Gen X community. We will gather to heal together. All are welcome to bring a flannel shirt, Doc Martens, and a yellow disc made with minimum 30 seconds of skip protection and all around Duar demeanor. Thankfully, this is only a masterful display of sarcasm, chicanery, and perhaps some... Curmudgeonry or curmudgeonry. Maybe as a fellow curmudgeon, I would know what that means. Unfortunately, Nirvana does still find itself in a lawsuit with the baby on the cover of Nevermind. No, that's not an onion headline. You heard that right. The man baby who was on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind is a toddler, claims he was sexually exploited. Uh, the man baby has the word Nevermind tattooed on his chest, so. You tell me. You can Google the story yourself, but uh, it's it, it's kind of a comical story. I'm not sure why this guy is now turning around doing this. Um, maybe it's hard for him to get a job. Who knows? And lastly, Bruce Springsteen has sold his master's, the rights to his music catalog, for what could amount to more than $500 million to Sony Entertainment, the largest ever transaction for a single artist catalog so far in history. We have seen a slew of these sales in the past 2 years. For example, Bob Dylan's selling his catalog for 300 to 400 million that neighborhood and Neil Young selling about 50% of his catalog for 150 million. So, why sell now? I would think you wouldn't you think that these artists could sell for more later? What does it mean if someone like Springsteen sells now? Perhaps COVID's effects have caused some to retire if you will, from the business, as many have in many walks of life. I myself have seen a lot of my coworkers in the past year uh, and a half quit just simply because of COVID or retire early. Neil Young, even in a report today on pitchfork.com, uh, said that uh, he would only really go back on tour once uh, we basically overcome COVID, which maybe never. So why sell now? Seems to me making deals to generate revenue for a lifetime rather than cashing in once would be more pragmatic, but what do I know? I'm just some bum with an anthropology degree. Perhaps these artists see the future of the business as extremely volatile. Most of the artists selling their rights come from the old record business when most of the income came from record sales. Now records are mostly relevant for the large majority of the music market, the business kind of lies in singles now, delivered by the likes of Little Nas X and many others I could name. Maybe the old guard just sees the writing on the wall. Irrelevancy. If you know me, you know I read Chuck Klosterman, who wrote once, we might be wrong about the Beatles and the Stones. That music might matter only to the people who remember it for real. Well, I've been waiting for this for a long time. There's six new Dr. Dre songs Uh, just this week on Grand Theft Auto's expansion pack, uh, GTA Online, the contract. Six new Dr. Dre songs have been included in this game and have subsequently leaked out. Um, Probably the best one on there is called Gospel featuring Eminem. And there's also another great one called Diamond Mind with Nipsey Hussle and Tay Dolla Sign. Nipsey Hussle verse is amazing, (laughs) but the Gospel a track is, at least for me, the standout. It, you know, if you grew up in the early 2000s with hip hop, like I did, um, those two guys back together. It's, you know, it's kind of iconic for me, and I'm just a huge Dr. Dre fan. Uh, it's interesting. This is coming out now with uh, the NFL playoffs coming pretty soon. In February we'll have the Super Bowl, which will feature Dr. Dre and and Eminem and. Kendrick, and many others. Snoop Dogg, who's also included on some of these tracks. It feels like perhaps Dre's gearing up for a release. His first studio album since Compton, which we could go back and forth if <laughs> that's considered a studio record. It is to me. Um, it was a record basically made for the Straight out of Compton movie uh, as kind of like a sidecar soundtrack, but it's good to see Dre back putting out new music, even though the, these aren't official tracks coming out of singles or on an album. They're out there. So if you want to listen to them, I certainly recommend you check them out. There's another great track called ETA with uh, Snoop Dogg and Anderson Pack. Uh, there's even two solo cuts, one called Falling Up and another called Black Privilege. As has been reported, there's no current plans for the songs to come out in any official capacity. But over the years, some Dre songs have come out. One of my favorite ones called back in business, man. I would hope that comes out someday. It's an amazing song with some great features on it. just total Dre song. But, uh, I encourage everyone to check these songs out, especially gospel. And I hope that next week I can have my buddy Jake on to break down, uh, these songs, these, uh, tracks that are going to appear on GTA online, the contract, including some Freddie Gibbs tracks that also have come out as well. But, uh, You'll hear those next week. And I'm excited to now move on and bring on my friend Andrew Murray. All right. And I'm joined here for a few good minutes by my good friend Andrew. Andrew, I'm sorry about your Chargers. They blew it last night. Why don't you give me a rundown of what happened? <laughs> Already going for the throat, I see. Um, you well, guys had well, a chance, man, though. I will say this, but there a lot happened in this game. Why don't you? Why do not he walk us through it? I'm going to be honest. I didn't feel great
1: coming into it in the first place. Um, The Slater COVID situation was not great. That's a fantastic piece to this team that is absolutely vital and essential. I didn't like some of the injuries coming in. Obviously, Derwin not playing didn't help. Asante Samuel Jr. not playing didn't help. The secondary was banged up. A lot of things not looking great on that front. Eckler kind of being hurt, and he didn't get all a ton of snaps last night for various reasons. And I just, uh, there was just something off about going into that game last night. And unfortunately the, the uh, Donald Parham injury was, which was horrific, kind of set the team back mentally. I felt after the first quarter, they did a great job of responding afterwards, but I think that that sort of the mojo just felt off to me going into that game. And I didn't really like, obviously when it started, um, yeah, that all that being said, yeah, they had a chance to win this game, which is kind of remarkable. They had so many scoring opportunities, some of which they cashed in on and some of which they did not. Um, look, I I know this morning there's going to be a referendum on Brandon Staley's decision-making on going forward on fourth down. And I'm just going to tell you this right now. That's not going to change. Like, he's not going to change no. that philosophy.
0: He's, he's never been doing gonna,
1: this all year. He's been doing this all year. I argue that if it wasn't him, this team would be 5-8 and eight coming into this game, not 8-5 and five because of his decision-making. I, I yeah. will stand by that. Do I disagree with some of these calls? Yes. Yeah, they should have kicked, sure. the, kicked that field goal at the end of the half. They absolutely should have kicked that to go up 7. I think this the third, fourth down they went for, I, I would have – I know it was a bit of a long field goal. It might have been 46, 47 yards, and I know this is the Chargers kickers we're talking about. Being involved, but I I would have been fine with that one. The first fourth down, the and the the, the last fourth down they went for on their touchdown drive, their last touchdown drive I was fine with. Those were fine. I think it's more of the methodology of when to get points and when not to go for points. The one I wish he went for is the two point conversion when they were up when they went up twenty to thirteen because at that point if you get two you go up nine and yeah. Kansas City has to score twice. Because Kansas City is going to kick a, a PAT or go for two to match you. They're not going to yeah. go for two to go up by one. That's not what Kansas City is going to do if they score, which they did. That So I think that that's the only thing I, I think was left on the table was in terms of his aggression. I was a little puzzled by him not going for it in that case. But also, I just think this defense was just gassed. By the end, like they were completely in shambles. Kelsey was running all over the place. They couldn't tackle. They were getting killed on their breaks. Like Hill was running all over the place. At some point, they just did not have the horses anymore and they could not keep up with Kansas City. And that killed them, too. But, yeah, I I think it's unfortunate for them. I, I think this team has still got a lot to work on.
0: Yeah, it, it felt I mean, Herbert by the numbers didn't look super great, uh, but I thought that he he still continued playing pretty well from the last couple of weeks. I do feel like especially red zone opportunities with him, that's something that you guys are going to have to address in the off season. It feels mm-hmm. like there's a lot of missed opportunities for him in the red zone. And just in this game in particular, there was definitely some missed opportunities for him, too, that. I don't really feel like you mentioned, but I mean, there's a lot of missed opportunities to your point as well. So I don't want to just drag on Herbert, but he is going to, you know, whether he likes it or not, or whether we like it or not, as far as this kind of football, you know, the sport, the quarterback is going to have to make up a lot of the the deficit, right? That's kind of how it works now. Yeah. But, um, you know, Staley, I. I like him. I, sometimes it does bother me with the decision making, but we also have to remember it's his first year, and I feel like he's coaching a team, you know, to a, a wild card team in his first year, that usually would fuck it up and usually would have a complete meltdown or collapse and you know blow it right. Uh, and I feel like he's he's helped. He's a really he seems like a really good motivator to me. That's mm-hmm. one thing I kind of feel from him, and that's something that is. Either you're good at it or you're not, right? I think the coaching decisions and stuff, that'll probably get better at as the years go on, right? Uh, just from experience, and I'm sure you'll learn a lot from this year, uh, things he would probably do differently next time, right? Like maybe take that field goal, which I I know what you're saying. Like he's been going for two all year, and that is his behavior. We know that about him. I would have taken the three myself. But then again, maybe, you know he hasn't shown much faith in the kicking game, and why should he? So there's that too, but then, then why not go for the two? Like you mentioned. So there's, there's certainly, you know, I think he's going to learn a lot from his, um, he's going to learn a lot from the season. That's a good thing. I still think he's a quality quote, quality coach. And if it weren't for him, for him, I think you're right. They would be probably a team bordering on a, you know, going 500 or losing record. Right. So, uh, good job by him. Um, Moving on to different things. I fucking hate Mahomes, and your team can't fucking sack him. There was this third and 10 (laughs) where you guys could have had him, and they would have had to have punted in the fourth quarter. Uh, There was like maybe like less than two minutes or two minutes left. God fucking damn it. I don't know. I don't. Why can't teams get him on the ground? I mean, he is athletic. Don't get me wrong. He's not that fast. I don't know. Just it bothers me. I feel like he could be had. He's not Lamar, but God, it bothers me. But, uh, here we fucking go again with this fucking team. Like, all right, man, our division, I can't stand it. Our, both of our teams had chances to to actually take a command of the whole division. And what happens? We just blow it as usual. Yeah.
1: I, I, there's something. I don't know what it was. I read something last night where it was just like the number of games I've watched where the Chiefs are – Getting outplayed by for about eighty percent of it and still win is amazing, and that's kind of what happened last night, honestly. And Mahomes is,
0: look, yeah, I know but it's, it's going to catch up to them in the playoffs, though. I, I think our yeah. teams don't know how to win yet. I think your team is is starting to learn how to win. The, the, we're just starting to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> like- if, if if your team gets a kicker, look out, because because <laughs> because here's the thing: like you can live with your defense, you know. Being vulnerable, but like maybe like your I feel like your defense is like sometimes it's a break defense, but sometimes it's a bend don't break defense, and your offense is awesome, right? But if three if one of only one of your three portions of your of your team is good and your special teams fucking blows like yours does, you know it's it's super hard to overcome that with just one portion of your team being good, but fucking Kansas City, like I I feel like they just won by because everyone else just blew it like it's like Cameron at fucking party city he was just around long enough but <laughs> in the past i think you know they were just so prolific but now it feels like it, it it you know in the past i feel like mahomes would have blown the doors off you guys but i don't think that it's there anymore for whatever reason and we'll probably talk about this someday but in the playoffs, I don't think they're going to be able to get away with this.
1: Not if Mahomes keeps throwing balls in the dirt like he did last night. And that's the thing that that's going to get me is like his stat line. I know looks good, but trust me, he made some terrible. He throws didn't look like right me. He, he he was making some really bad, yeah, um, like side side arm action that ended up with balls in the turf. I mean that fourth down and goal they went for. When McCall Hartman was wide open, like he had beat clear, beat this man off the line of scrimmage
0: and Mahomes just threw in the dirt like he just threw in the dirt and like that was it. You know what I think it it is? He's tired. All right. I see him all the time. Like when I watch him, he looks tired, especially at the end of the game. He looked exhausted. I think he threw that touchdown. I want to say to Kelsey to tie up the game Mm -hmm. and he was uh, was sitting on the ground because he had, you know, been he was running away from being assassinated and threw it while running and he was on the ground he just sat there I don't even mean, he, he didn't even get up right away to celebrate with the teammates he was he looks he looks tired and I know I would keep harping on it and I don't care because I think we you and I were both right about this uh, from the beginning of the season that line fucking blows and he's just running around all day I, I think he's exhausted I don't think it's anything more than that and I'm sure yeah. his brother exhausts him too
1: yeah I think they need to address their tackle situation again. Uh Creed Humphrey, there's, their rookie center's great. I li- I love him. Uh mm-hmm. good. I but I think the, the tackle situation has shown itself
0: to be their pretty tolerable. Terrible. They gotta it's, they gotta move on.
1: Yeah, the Orlando Brown trade didn't work out, I don't think that I think that's he's, he's not a, a pass of, blocker. <laughs> no well that well, yeah, that was the concern, right? Coming in, mm-hmm. he's he's not a pass blocker, and that's not
0: something that the and, Chief, and and the they Chief, paid Tooney a lot of money and he he's okay. He's not great. Yeah. You know? He's okay. And it's funny they have like they actually have good pass or uh, run blockers, but they don't run the ball well.
1: <laughs> no, they don't, which which drives me nuts. I know I want Daryl Williams to get more touches, but they keep using Clyde Edwards Hilaire who <sighs> I don't understand it. I, I, I like are they trying to in, justify
0: this shitty pick? Like, really?
1: Yeah, I, I like them coming in, but he hasn't really proven himself to be worthy of that first round selection that they no. made. For so no. I think they should just go back to running back comi- by committee. I mean, Agreed. they had more success with Damian Williams like, two years ago.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on to uh, Old Faithful here. Urban Meyer, he finally was fired. We were correct, Andrew. We were correct. Is this the Urban Meyer gets fired game against <laughs> the, uh, the Titans? And guess what? It was. So I think everybody that's listening probably knows, but the last draw came with this uh, story coming out about his former kicker, Josh Lambeau, uh, who got cut when the- in the summer. Um, he... Uh, he apparently kicked Josh Lambeau in the leg that was injured uh, at a practice and told him to make his fucking kicks. Like that's what a motivator. I'm sure that's what's in Brandon Staley's playbook too. Look, I I think he only got fired because the story came out. Apparently everybody knew about it, Andrew, but God, what a piece of shit he was. His nickname should be the heist. Cause he fucking, he railroaded (laughs) the, Jacksonville I mean I mean I can't wait till we hear about he gets you know he gets uh, a lawsuit for tax evasion too I mean this motherfucker is a terrible person what a terrible person why would any parent ever want their kid to be coached by this fucker um before I get into the reminder, I just want to give a shout out to Josh
1: Lambeau uh another former <laughs> charger kicker making a difference on another team I got I got we've we've started a we've started a dynasty run here with him and uh Young Waiku and Nook Novak and all all a lot of great former Charger kickers. Michael Badgley, it's 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 going well the, the business is going well. Um
0: Young Ho is like a Pro Bowl like kicker, but he fucking sucked for you guys. <laughs> what he happened? was awful, he was terrible. I know and then
1: he, he like went to he went to the AAF, kicked really well, and then he got another chance and yeah, I that, that position's cursed, man. But look, Urban is just Fascinating as a human being and as a person that was able to get around all of this, I really have to wonder what he got away with in college now, which was already – there's a lot of
0: reports we know he got away, that were kind oh of surface level. We,
1: we know he oh. got away with a couple things, but like there's – obviously there's been a whole groundswell of things that probably happened that were never reported on. God,
0: or, I want 60 minutes swashed. to get on that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, look. I don't see how he gets a coaching job anytime soon. I know people want to say, oh, well, you know, he's got a legacy, all that. Some 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 school will pay him. I'm like, maybe I don't know, maybe like Idaho State, like some like really bum college that has nothing going for it. But like you can't you
0: can't give him a job. if You're a power five school. He'll take There's a year no or two off. He'll get a job. Watch he, he, he'll get a, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a power five school, but he'll get it. He'll get a job. Just watch people. People forget real quick. And he this is a man that enjoys having heart conditions and needs time with his family. So I'm sure he'll take a year or two and he'll be fine. But the cynic in me tells me if it took the story coming to light that they already knew about with the kicker. Right. The owner knew about this back in August, apparently. So the fact that it that it just came to light and that's why he finally got fired because they had a probable cause now. Tells you everything you need to know about this business. As if he can, especially in college, if he can make your program win, they're going to look the other way. I mean, they looked the other way. Aaron Hernandez was fucking killing people in college. I, if they knew, I don't know if they knew, but I'm sure they had a sense he was doing some fucked up shit in Florida. <laughs> this guy, Andrew, though, he... What an awful human being! And he did the one thing I thought was impossible. He actually ruined Trevor Lawrence, who I will I will <laughs> give credit. You know yeah. what? Trevor Lawrence is is probably the most adult person on the team because he says all the right things in the press conferences, always supportive, uh, never says anything bad about Urban. Just said it like he's actually handled the situation really, really well. And I hope I. And this is what I want to move into next. You know who who would be the best choice for this job, right? Or, like, who could come in and actually make a difference right away? Because I don't think that – and this is why, even though I hated Urban, I thought they would win more than, what, two games. I thought they would win, like, like maybe five at the most. They actually had a few players on there. I'm like, these are decent players, right? These are players that are that could start for other rosters. But I think the team just played this bad because the leadership and the coaching was this bad. Yeah. It
1: it goes to show you when when there's no culture or there's a formless culture or culture of dissent like this one, it can totally just submerge all, any talent or goodwill you have on the roster. It yeah. really can. It really can. I've Look, I'm not going to say I, I would say I've had my team's head coaches as bad, but I've seen underperformance because of incompetency. But Urban's just like you said, Urban's just <laughs> he's he's a negligible human being. And it's and it's shown how he just thinks that his ego is going to resolve all issues in every facet. And it's not that's not how it works. That's not how it works in the NFL. Like you got to put it aside.
0: Coaches, who would you like to see come in there and actually take over?
1: Um, Well, there's actually two people in the state itself Mm -hmm. in, in Florida that I am interested in. Now, I don't know if they would be able to immediately fix the situation, but I think they would be interesting from a team morale standpoint, Byron Lepwich and Todd Poles, who both are on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. Yeah. But Bowles because I think he absolutely deserves another chance at a head coaching gig, Agreed. and Byron, because I, he has history with the team and he knows um, the culture and he knows the atmosphere. I think that would be an interesting, uh, interesting pick to kind of look into. Mm-hmm. The only the only thing with Bowles is I I want him to have a better situation to go into, and this is a really tough one for him to walk into. Yeah. Obviously, having already gone through the Jets, so I wouldn't wish that on him. I just think he would be a good hire. But those are kind of the two off the top of my head that I thought of when Urban got canned.
0: Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think in general I like Todd Bowles better as a as a head coach, like mm-hmm. just in a vacuum, but. I think because you have Trevor Lawrence, you want to pair him up with somebody that he's going to be with for the next as a partner, right? For the next ten to fifteen years, maybe, right? Yeah. Um, kind of like what happened in Kansas City, where you have Mahomes and Reed or Belichick and Brady, what whatever it is, right? You want a partnership there when you have a player like this. So in that case, I probably would go with Leftwich. Um, personally, I would want. If you really want somebody to build a culture, right, come in there and actually like establish something, give somebody control that I think actually – I don't know. I mean maybe Brian Lefwich would be ready right away. I just doubt it because he's never been a head coach before. doesn't mean he's not capable. But if you want somebody to come in there that might be ready for the job day one, maybe Josh McDaniels from the Patriots, you bring him in. Because he's been a head coach before, he had some early success. It just didn't work out, but that's a guy I think can come in and bring like a vision right away, and can do both ends of it, offense and defense. I think for Leftwich, I'm not, sh- I don't, I just don't know. He hasn't been um, an assistant as long as someone like McDaniel's, but that doesn't mean he couldn't do it right. But I would I would look for somebody that could come in and maybe bring in a, a twelve year plan right away. But yeah. uh, some of these other coaches, I just think they just need a little bit more time. But so, like for example, Bienemy, right, Eric Bienemy, he he has been an assistant for quite a while now. So that is somebody perhaps that you know could come in and help. But it, it needs to be. Typically, I hate doing this. It does need to be somebody that is like a an offensive minded guy or a quarterback guy that you can hook up with Lawrence.
1: Yeah, it really depends. I think State Brandon Staley, because you're thinking about the same juxtaposition was such a unique case in how he used to play quarterback, had offensive philosophy and then came yeah. up as a defensive coach. Totally. And unique. Now, <laughs> I, very, he's very unique. He's a very yeah. different breed in yeah. that way. So yeah, I absolutely agree. You need someone who can form a partnership with that with that quarterback. Um, another guy that I want to see get a chance, and I don't think this is the job for him in that in that regard, but I want to see Jim Caldwell get interviews again. Like, how the hell I does know. he not have a job? And so many other candidates do. Like That I, one doesn't I, make I, sense. I, yeah. It's it's really it's unfortunate that he has not had another opportunity. And I want to see him get another one. I don't think this is the job for him, but I I would like to see him at least get an interview with this team as well
0: yeah agreed all right we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna do uh just a uh, abbreviated nfl week 15 lines and we'll be right back all right nfl week 15 lines by bet online ag bye weeks are done andrew uh we're gonna do an abbreviated version this week um The list for a Montezuma special would have been quite long this week (laughs) if uh, we had done that. Same with Bridge to Nowhere. The the, the tickets got sold out a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Montezuma special was was full up. There's no more tables left. Um, But uh, we're going to split it up. Just five games we want to go over today. And uh, all five games should be pretty good or worth watching. So category one, Saturdays are for the boys. Raiders at Browns. Browns minus three. Over under 40. Now, I think that line may have shifted since I last looked at it. So I'm going to update us real quick. It's actually, so it was, so it was Browns minus three. It is now Raiders minus three and a half over under 38. Um, now, why did it shift? Well, Omicron is uh, really affecting all the uh, professional leagues in America right now. And the Browns, they're down basically two quarterbacks now. Uh, Case Keenum yesterday was reported has a confirmed case of COVID now. And so that would put Nick Mullins in as the starter. Now, if you recall, Mullins' first start as a NFL player was with the 49ers, and they beat the shit out of the Raiders in 2018, as uh, our mutual friend Ryan Gunn reminded us. But that was a totally different scenario. Mm -hmm. You had had basically a, a Super Bowl caliber team at the time in the 49ers, and you had a really down Raiders team at the time. Uh, Even before this shift happened, Andrew, I had the Raiders in the over. Um, I think the Browns were lucky to come away with a win against a depleted Ravens team. Baker still looks like hell. And, you know, the Raiders, they're the ultimate jackal and hide team in the NFL right now. One week they beat the Cowboys. The next week they lay an egg against the Chiefs. So that being the case, I think they should handle the Browns here pretty handily. And I think the Browns, they're, they're running out of hope and the Raiders, obviously they're out of hope too, but I don't know. To me, it feels like they, they just have the better roster with and the better quarterback. Um, and the Browns are just starting to get, I think really depleted and melting down. What do you got?
1: Well, I'll say this. If Cleveland calls red, right? 88, you got a good chance to win this. So <laughs> Oh, boy! Uh, um, now, this is uh, this is um, an interesting matchup just from the standpoint of both rosters, mostly the Browns, getting completely decimated by COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate because obviously you get less players, you have less uh, depth, you have less variability to be able to deal with certain situations as the Browns do. Yeah. This is not the same as losing Kevin Stefanski during that playoff game. I mean, this is the roster we're talking about. Yeah. and. I will say this uh, Baker came out last night and it was making a bit of a stink about the protocols of the NFL just from the standpoint of. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency in terms of players who are unvaccinated and vaccinated in terms of the testing procedures. Um Yeah, he he mentioned one point he says, if I may quote him here, he says, uh, actually caring about player safety would mean delaying the game with this continuing at this rate. It is. But to say you won't test vaccinated players if you don't have symptoms, then to pull this randomly doesn't make sense to me. I think there's a lot of frustration with in terms of just the whole testing procedure. And I don't see this game getting delayed, but I also agree with I kind of agree with him in that I I do, too. It's 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 like. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot of accountability for player safety in this situation. And I don't know, I don't think the NFL came into this season with any sort of idea or plan to ever postpone or cancel a game. They did that last year, and it was really hairy. And it was I a think headache. Just,
0: yeah. It was a headache.
1: It was a big headache. And I think they just basically made it a point that that was not going to happen. Yep. But the the information changes, the situation continues to evolve, and a lot of these leagues are going to have to start addressing. Possibly mid season. I mean, I I have a feeling. I tell you what, I think the NFL might start to reevaluate this closer to the playoffs. Not now, but I think when they start getting towards January, yeah, and in January, I think they're going to start looking at it and probably reevaluating their procedure. And also the NBA too. Well, I'll have to, I think as well, because they've had a lot of trouble um, this past couple of weeks. So I I think when we get into January, I think that's when you're going to start seeing some of these changes take place.
0: Yeah. Baker has he has a point, and look, I do feel like the NFL, whatever they wanna say, here's the point, like you just said, they're they're gonna force these games to happen by hook or by crook. They're not gonna do what happened last year where they're gonna have, you know, Baltimore and Pittsburgh play, you know, Wednesday at noon and no one's watching the game. Look, the NFL is not like the NBA, MLB, or NHL. They are in full control. They have all the leverage. They're gonna force this shit to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So expect don't expect any rescheduling, even if they're going to basically kind of throw their own rules, kind of caution to the wind. Right. Or kind of talk to, you know, two ways out of their mouth. Right. So uh, another note about this game as well. Um, like I mentioned, Case Keenum out. Kareem Hunt is also out. Um, Malik Jackson is questionable. Uh, They have a lot of injuries on this Browns team, a lot of guys out, um, a lot of guys in reserve COVID-19. So I just I'm really only picking the Raiders here just simply because they just don't have the same issue right now. So but I mean, they're probably going to get infected playing this team. So and uh, hopefully we get a W on the mistake on the lake, Andrew. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Last game, last game on Saturday. This one's actually uh, an actual Chris Berman special here. Patriots at Colts, Colts minus two and a half over under 45 and a half. This should be a close game, Andrew. Uh, And if the pay and the Pats were favored, I'd actually would take the Colts to cover. But why can't Belichick get the kind of respect I think he should be getting here? uh, At least to me. Also, Colts giving points. I, I like the Pats here because I think they're going to win. And I like the under here as well.
1: I think this is finally the week the Patriots finally get stopped. I, I think the Colts are going to really? come out with an absolute
0: nice of a game okay. plan. I, I,
1: I think they're going to run. the. They're not only going to be able to find a way to run the ball. I think they're going to be able to play great ball control in terms of not turning it over. I think they're actually going to. Force ways to not have to rely on Carson Wentz. And I think they're actually going to be able to make this happen. I think on defense, really, the biggest key is I think they're going to get after Mac Jones. I really do. I think they're going to cause some absolute hell for uh, New England. I, the game's going to be very gonna be a great back game. and forth. It's going to be a great game. I think this is going to be an ebb and flow, kind of like last night's game, where it's like quarter yeah. to quarter, just like back and forth and back and forth. I think there's just going to be really sound play on the Colts. I have a lot of faith in them in this game, and I think they they absolutely need to have this game for their playoff hopes. This is yeah. humongous for them. They've had a brutal schedule this year, and I think they have been weathered and battle-tested through a lot of different facets. I, it's not that I don't like this Patriots team. They've been playing out of their minds the last two months. They've been amazing. I just think for, for this case – I think the Colts are going to come out with an absolutely fantastic game plan. And I do think they're actually going to be able to execute it. So I'm, I'm going with them. But uh, it's going to be a battle
0: up until the last two minutes. Like, it's going to be really tough. So two questions for you. Can the Colts cover two and a half in, in your win? And then, you know, Belichick knows they're going to want to do ball control and dominate with Jonathan Taylor and run the ball and obviously not put it in the hands of Carson Wentz. How do the Colts do that? Knowing that Belichick is gonna, he's gonna know. Obviously, that's what they're gonna want to do. What do what do they have to do in order to get their plan to work?
1: I, I, I'm gonna be honest. I think they're just gonna out physical them. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think their line is gonna push, right. I, I think they're just gonna push them off the ball. I think the Patriots know what they want to do. I think the Colts are just going to be more physical today. The, this this Saturday, I I think they're just gonna push them off the ball. It yeah. doesn't matter. If they put a fullback in there, two tight ends. Their offensive line. I think they're just gonna just try to bully the Patriots. I really do. I I think it's, it's not going to be so much a a scheme point at this point. It's just going to be physical. And I think that's what they're, they're going to come in and do. I really do.
0: If you're, if you're a fan of, of, I think like us, if you're like us and you care about offensive defensive line and you grew up in the early two thousands when it was still smash mouth football, this is, this is going to be like that. It is going to be under 45 and a half. I think it's going to be, it is going to be back and forth. Like you said, uh, like yesterday's game, but it's not going to be, you know, 28 to 28. It's going to no. be it's going to be 14 to 14. Probably, you know, it's going to be smash mouth football. So it's exciting if if you're an older uh, NFL fan. All right. Sunday Minuto special Panthers at Bills. Bills minus 10 and a half over under 43 and a half. You must be asking yourself, how is this in the Minuto special? It's Montezuma special. But no, careful. The we are. Sorry. Careful, though, Andrew. The, are we sure they're good? Bills. They play a Lowly Panthers team at home. Ten and a half seems a little intense. It seems like everyone knows kind of how to play the Bills now, and that they're just going to throw it all the time. And and uh, Allen's going to have to take off. Last week comeback. Last week's comeback kind of made me feel a little bit worse about them. I'm not sure about you. To me, you know, when they were down all those points, it just kind of felt like the defense just got bored or. When there's that many points, you know, you kind of you get a little complacent. I don't really feel like the comeback was really anything to take pride in. Um, I would I would take the points. uh, Sorry, I I would. Yeah, I would take the points here and and go under.
1: Yeah, I got to say, I. It's for the Bills. It's it's kind of unfortunate for them that they've gotten to the point where they have to rely on Josh Allen seemingly almost every game. But that's kind of where they're at right now. Yeah. And as a team, I don't think that's where you really want to be if you want to be a consistent contender. Um, like I understand a team such as like the Chargers, for example, still kind of rely on Herbert in a lot of facets because they're still trying to build their roster. The Bills should not be having this problem. Like they should not be having this from a roster standpoint. And yet here they are. And they can't r- run the ball like they cannot run the ball, and it's a problem. I I I don't see them uh, covering here either. I think the, co- the Panthers are going to stay in it. Uh, Panthers don't have an answer on offense either, but I also don't. I just don't think the Bills are going to be in, in winning in any dominant fashion. And I will say this: I gotta I gotta say, based on everything that fell fell out this week with the Jaguars. That loss the Bills had to them is the worst loss of the entire season. It's not Oh, my God. oh my God. I cannot believe nine, that happened. Nine to six, that is one of the worst losses I, possibly in the last two or three years. I can remember. That was awful. I have no idea how in the world they can live with themselves having lost to Urban Meyer in Jacksonville. Like yeah. I, I, I know some people said the same thing about the Dolphins losing in London. Look, playing in London is weird weird stuff happens overseas that that's just a kind of a, and they were not playing well at that time. The Bills had absolutely no excuse for going no. down there and losing to that team. That was and a scoring six points.
0: Yeah. And look, and, and it's tough playing Jacksonville in London because they know how to play there. They know the whole routine. <laughs> I know of, that's I know. That's fu- I know that's funny to say, but like it's hard playing it's in another country like that when you don't do that every year. And and Miami was struggling and they're going to a different country and they were close in that game. They could have won. It just didn't go their way. But look, I think we should commend Miami for kind of turning it around. And I think, you know, they, they kind of have their shit together a little bit and they know who they are and they're getting the most out of Tua, um, who I would love to talk about in a separate podcast one day, just because it's, it's crazy to me that I was so high on him and he seems like he's no better than Baker Mayfield. Um, But, yeah, here we are, like you said. Um, Now, on to some little bit more impactful games, I think. This one was just more for fun for us. Titans at Steelers. Titans minus one and a half over under 41 and a half. This might seem like a boring game on the surface, Andrew, but in actuality, it's a very meaningful game. The Titans need to win to stay current with the Patriots and the Chiefs, especially now that the Chiefs won last night. Uh, And they got to keep the the Colts at bay, especially if the Colts pull off a win like you're suggesting, which you know they could. For Pittsburgh, it's kind of a loser goes home matchup. At 6 and 6, the Steelers are alive but kind of near death. The Titans need the Patriots and the Chiefs to to both kind of lose here. So, you know, if you're a Titans fan, you really want you kind of want the Colts to to lose and here's why. If you win and the Patriots lose, you go to the top of the conference, right? No one needs that first round bye more than the Titans do. Um, so just thinking out of desperation, I think the Titans win and cover here and I would go under just simply for the fact that I just think both of these def or both of these offenses can be a little, be a little inept at times. Um, but the Titans really need this one.
1: Yeah. Again, a hilarious example of the Titans relying on their defense of all things. Last I know. Week, and they're continuing to do it. It's really, it's, it's quite a the narrow world. Yeah. <laughs> just absolutely bizarre but they have to and I I, I actually like them here too look somehow this Steeler team might end up being 500 because I know. that's just what tomlin <laughs> does he doesn't finish under 500 but I think it's going to be a case where they win in say week 17 to get to 500 yeah I don't think th- they're not in contention like this offense is bro- is broken Ben's broken this uh offensive line is fine not the best still needs to be retooled oh, it is not like, fine they're terrible <laughs> they're like terrible <laughs> i think for some reason i th- feel like i've always had terrible offense pittsburgh offensive
0: lines in the past so like for some reason this one isn't i don't this know this one's extra terrible i mean in the past you're right they're not like the greatest but like they're they're manageable this yeah. one's bad i mean i i'm sorry to interrupt your thought there but i do have to kind of interject and say is this Maybe Tomlin's best coaching job, the fact that they are at six and six right now and they actually have a chance to get in as a wild card.
1: I, I think he does this every year, year out, man. Like, seriously, I, it's insane that they're even in this position to begin with. Like, this is yeah. one of the most uninspiring offenses I've ever watched. And their playmakers are not that bad, but it's just like they can't utilize anybody functionally on a yeah. consistent basis. Like, it drives me absolutely nuts watching this team on offense. It, it is mine numbing to watch this team on offense, try to perform their tasks off. So I, yeah. I I hate it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going, I'm going under in the Titans as well here. This is, it's going to be a slog. And yeah. I think t- Titans just have, have a better sense of what they do on offense, even if it's limited. And I think they're going to be able to take care of business.
0: Yeah. Last one. Bengals at Broncos Broncos minus one and a half over under 44. Uh, These are two teams on the cusp of a playoff berth at seven and six. Uh, Bengals have a real shot at actually winning the division while the Broncos have no shot. Um, I don't really buy into their win against the Lions. I think people are like, oh, here come the Broncos. I don't I wouldn't buy into it. I think the Bengals win in cover. Give me the over. I think this could easily be a game where we uh, we hear uh, now we go to Denver and. And uh, Joe Burrow has three touchdowns. You know, I could see that. Um, the Bengals had some tough losses l- lately, but I mean, I've been more impressed with their comebacks versus like Buffalo's, for example.
1: Yeah, really rough home stretch for the Bengals. They start yeah. off with that absolute dominating victory over Pittsburgh and then they lose. They they are never really in control of the Chargers game. Nope. They come back a little bit in the middle of the game, but the Chargers took care of them in the first and fourth quarters and then last week just heart crushing to lose to the 49ers in the fashion oh, that they God. did in overtime it's they're it's like a they're a resilient team i think they hang around i think they take care of business here as well on yeah. the road and get this really much needed victory and i just i i, I still appreciate burrows moxie he that the guy just does not quit no matter yeah. what like he's he's just always gives them the chance to believe that they're in the game as long as they don't turn the ball over. And I think that's a big key is that if, as long as they don't make errant turnovers against this Broncos defense, I think they have a really good shot to win this game on Sunday. So yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. going to take them as well. And
0: Agreed. the over and the over. Okay. I agree. Yeah. Well, all right, man. Thank you again for stopping by as always. I'm not sure if I'm doing this next week. So if I don't uh, talk to you before then have a Merry Christmas, uh, happy Chrysler. Happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever day you celebrate, worship, Andrew. And uh, if I, if we don't talk next week, I'll probably see you next year. Yeah, most likely. It's uh, been a good year, man, and I hope, hope things
1: get to transpire on this podcast and other adventures too. Yeah, man. Sounds good.
0: Thanks for coming. Always, man.